Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at thebrokentoken.com. Y'all, it doesn't matter whether you like moon pies or wagon wheels, you're going to love this episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, we look back at Origins 2015. Plus, we compare and contrast Gen Con, Origins, and BGG Con. Now, Marty, you have a guest, so be on your best behavior. Thank you, Vanessa, and thank you for everyone joining in for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 69, Love Roller Coaster. I am your host, Marty, and I have a very special guest with me at this time. Tony is on vacation uh, someplace up in Alaska scaling glaciers or something, but I am honored to have with me as my co-host, the person who brings rule books to life in full technicolor, the man who makes a living off the laziness of gamers, the Canadian who is promoting illiteracy one game at a time, my good friend and fellow Nurashima Hex grudge match partner, Rodney Smith. <laughs> what a great intro. <laughs> hey, buddy. Yeah, we're partners. That's right. For Nurashima Hex. That big throwdown at Gen Con, I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, for those who haven't heard, and you probably haven't heard because we really hadn't started promoting this yet, Rodney and I have been playing some online games of Nurashima Hex with Matt Evans and Joel Eddy. And right. we've been playing back and forth, and we thought, hey, let's just play a game at a Gen Con sometime. Well, Ignacy picked up on that and said, um, I would be interested in you doing that. And then all of a sudden, there are like T-shirts involved and some sort of event <laughs> where we're going to be playing on a huge Nurashima Hex board sometime at Gen Con. Yeah, so whoever wins or loses this is going to have, you know, really good bragging rights or going to be miserable the rest of the con. Because I tell you, if, if we win, I think we got to rub it in a little bit. Yes, yes. A little bit. And, and if, if people haven't seen the uh, picture, we took a picture while we were at Origins together to kind of start promoting it. And um, Vanessa's like, wow, that, that picture looks really good. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> Rodney used some sort of filter on it to make it look really tough. <laughs> I might have touched it up some. <laughs> and then somebody photoshopped a, a, like a wrestling background behind it. <laughs> Making us look way tougher than we actually are. <laughs> but, but Joel and Matt don't need to know that. <laughs> let's, let's have them shaking a little bit. We'll just yeah. keep that between us. They, they won't listen to this anyway. So anyway. I, I got something I got to say. I got to jump in here. So Tony's in Alaska? Yes, he is. So like every time I show up here, he like le he goes as far away as possible from me. I'm I'm starting to get a little bit of a complex about this. Like he's just he's just gone. Actually, you and Tony have never been on the same episode at the same time. Now, Marty, this is what I'm saying, Marty. This is what I'm saying, right? Like I show up, he goes. I'm saying the two of you had never been heard or seen in the same place. Is that like Batman, Bruce Wayne, Clark Kent, <laughs> Superman? I'm just saying. I see what you're getting at. <laughs> I don't know. One of these times I'm going to get on here and he's going to be here too. But I guess, well, we'll see. We'll see if we can we get by without him, I guess. Hard to do. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so he is out somewhere, like I said, scaling glaciers or something. I'm not sure what he's doing. He said wow. he's getting in an RV on the West Coast and is somehow going to end up in Alaska. I don't know how that happens, but it's, it's happening. He's a man of mystery. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. International man of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> so we just got back from Origins, you and I, just several days ago. Yeah, we did. Oh, man. That was awesome. It, it, it really was. Spoiler alert. It really was awesome. <laughs> so, And it's surprising that we're not sick of each other yet because we spent quite, quite a bit of time together. Uh, yes, we did. Yes, yeah. we did. Now, we weren't sharing the same room. 
uh, no. like you were with that, which we'll hear about a little bit later. But yeah, yeah we, we did hang out a lot together. And this was your first time going, wasn't it? It, it certainly was. This, is, this was a real treat of a trip because I had no plans to go to Origins this year. Uh, I had a couple of conventions I was planning to go to, but you know the budget's limited, right? So I can only go to so many things like all of us. But uh, my wife knew I would like to attend Origins. She knew that my friends from the Secret Cabal Game podcast were going to be there. And so she contacted Jamie Keggy, one of the hosts over there, around Christmas time to ask, listen, I want to set up a trip for Rodney to go to Origins as his Christmas gift. What do I need to do? And Jamie basically said, you don't have to do anything. I'll take care of this. You just book the flight. I'll tell you, you know, I'll hook up him with a hotel room and we'll make sure he's picked up and taken care of and all the rest of it. So at Christmas, I was told I was going to be going to Origins and it was just, it was a great gift. So uh, so I'll just say again here publicly, thank you to Christy, my wife. She's wonderful. I'm definitely hanging on to her. Uh, and it was a real treat because I got to have a lot of fun. And also not only was I away, I mean, obviously she had to stay home and take care of Luke and, you know, manage the household and all the rest of it. So really, really appreciated that opportunity. Yeah. And, uh, so they set up your, uh, hotel accommodations, which we got to stay, uh, you stayed at the Hampton Inn, which is the same place I stayed, which is the hotel of choice, by the way, for anybody who wants to go to origins. Everybody else says, Oh, I stayed at the Hyatt, the Hilton, whatever. I'm telling you, you can't Nonsense. beat the Hampton. Absolutely. I, I don't, I, I know I've only been to origins once, but the Hampton is, is literally across the street. Like, like it's you, you step out the lobby door and walk a couple of feet and you're at the convention doors. It's perfect. And it's the only place around that area that also has the uh, breakfast buffet every morning. So you can get free breakfast, save a little bit of money. It's a really nice up-to-date hotel, has a parking deck underneath to keep your car. And it's right beside the North Market and Barley's. Yeah, and free Wi-Fi, which is very important if you're coming internationally like I was. Yeah, I, I could, I can't complain a bit about the accommodations. It was perfect. Yeah, which is why it's also now hard to get in there. And uh, I'm going to say something, and I'm probably going to regret it. But if you have any interest in staying at the Hampton Inn next year, rooms become available September 1st. Okay, so if you don't get a room next year because it sells out quickly... It's, it's my on fault you. for announcing it that, <laughs> hey, guess what? September yeah. 1st, rooms become available at the Hampton Inn. yeah. Well, I, I can't blame you, though, for recommending it. I think it was it was the perfect accommodations as far as I was concerned. I know I haven't seen the Hyatt, but I can't imagine it, it would have anything I would need more than what was at the Hampton. The Hampton was so close. It was perfect. Geez, I'm just sitting there. My mind is spinning with so many things that we want to cover, which is why, hey, what a great way with so many things to cover to use our segment Flying Squirrels in order just to, just to bombard <laughs> people with all these different things we want to talk about. So... Rodney and I have a huge list, each of us, that we just want to cover different things, covering all sorts of things, and we thought flying squirrels is the best way to do it, so let's crank that up. I'm looking forward to ping-ponging back and forth with you here. (laughs) It's going to be crazy. And now it's time for Flying Squirrels, short discussions on topics that have our attention for now. So if this is the first time you're hearing Flying Squirrels, let me explain how this works. What we're going to do is that Rodney and I are going to ping pong subjects back and forth, and we're going to talk about them for around two minutes. What's going to happen is, is we're going to have these, any sort of thought covering any sort of thing. It just so happens that this uh, edition of Flying Squirrels is going to be all about origins, covering many different things. After two minutes, uh, one of us will uh, will wrap up our thoughts and move on to the next one. And at each two-minute mark, you're going to hear this. 
to indicate that we are wrapping up and moving on to the next segment. So, Rodney, do you understand how this works? I think so. I'm just, I'm just going to hang on and, <laughs> and hopefully keep up with you. It's kind of crazy. Here, let me just go ahead and throw you uh, right into the fire right now. Oh, good. you kick <laughs> us right. off? All right, sure. I'll start things here. Um, okay, I don't know about you, Marty, but almost every time I travel to a convention, and probably it's because I'm crossing borders over from Canada, I always have travel issues. So I'm, I'm super anxious about travel, and it's kind of irrational, except that I always have problems. So that's why I'm always nervous. For example, this time at the airport when I was trying to go through security, they looked at my boarding pass and they said, uh, sir, we're just going to have to uh, get you to step aside here for a moment. Um, and they take my boarding pass. They walk over to a desk. I'm watching the guy. He pulls out a binder. I swear, I swear, about a fo- foot thick. Like, it was just a massive binder. He pulls it open. He's two hands to, like, <laughs> bring this thing open. He's flipping through pages trying to, you know, he's looking at my boarding pass, trying to find something. I don't know what. He closes this book. He walks past. He goes, I need to go talk to somebody. I'm just sitting here thinking, oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Because going to Gen Con, I missed my flight the first day. And I didn't want this to happen at Origins because it really screws up your schedule when you've made some plans. So he comes back again. He gets on the phone. He's talking. And they come back and they say, you're fine, sir. There's, there's these four S's on the bottom. It means you're going to have some trouble possibly when you try to cross the border into the United States. So, so, so it's okay, I guess, I'm getting on the plane. But these four S's, I don't know what they stand for. They don't know what that stands for. I'm like trying to imagine what S's could stand for. I'm thinking, strip search? <laughs> like is, is, is that what it stands for? Super sketchy? Spy? <laughs> like, spy, yeah, exactly. In the end, it was, it was no big deal at the border. Again, they, they pulled me aside. They did a little look up on a computer, and that was it. But man, I get nervous when I travel. Have you ever had problems when you were traveling? Did you have any problems here? Not like that. But obviously, you travel uh, international more than I do, but I've never got uh, hung up like that before. I mean, I've had tra- uh, problems with like weather and stuff, but never somebody stopped me at the gate. I think there's a Rodney Smith out there who's been doing some shenanigans, and I am getting attached to his name. And this is something i got to sort out for future trips. One of the reasons why I went to Origins was to help out the Dice Tower uh, with their videos. A couple years ago, I helped them with what they call their summer preview videos, and I got to do that again this year. And what what I like to do, or why I like to do that, is because they bring all these uh, publishers of games into a little area in one of the halls, and they have some cameras set up, and it basically gives the publishers a chance to promote games they're either showing at the con or ones that are getting ready to come out. Now, they probably had... Oh, I don't know, 20, 25, I I didn't count, publishers come through, and with each game they they want to promote, they they do a full video on it. So I was there with like uh, Tom Vassell and Eric Summer and Z Carsey and Jason, those were all the faces on the camera as they brought each of these publishers through to show off these games. And what I like doing about that, Rodney, is because you get to see some of the stuff before everybody else does, especially the stuff that's going to be maybe coming out at Gen Con or at Essen. So that's one reason why I like to do it. They have two cameras. I'll run one of the cameras that takes up the close-up shot. So if you go out there and watch any of their uh, videos on the YouTube channel, all the close-up shots are me. So I got, you know, real artsy with it and stuff. And it was using <laughs> filters right. and, and lens flares, you know, to try to get <laughs> oh, you know, good. some explosions. I, 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 you know, I channeled my inner Michael Bay and had things blow up on screen. So 
but that, it's, it's it's really cool to, to check out a lot of the stuff that's that's coming out. And well, so, sometimes you need that, Marty, because sometimes those publishers they can be a little dry, right? So it's good that you were there to kind of like spice up the video some. Yeah, I know, right? and they, they got some like some real cool music and like some dubstep music in the background <laughs> and and some slow motion parts coming out on the table. I think we really went artsy this time. So I hope that uh, people appreciate all the work. No, seriously, it's uh, all the videos are out there, and like you like I said, you can see a lot of the cool games that are getting ready to come out at Gen Con. Some previews of the games that were at Origins, and some stuff that's oh, we saw some prototypes that nobody's even seen yet. So if you're interested Ooh. in going to see those, yeah, go check those out on the uh, Dice Tower YouTube channel. I've I've said before in the past, I've heard other gamers say this as well, but going to conventions, it's like camping for kids because once you've gone to one, you come back for your second one and. You're seeing people that you saw, like maybe not since that year ago when you were at the convention last time, and there's kind of that reunion moment, and you're hanging out with your pals, and oftentimes, oftentimes to save costs, you share rooms with your friends, right? So one of the things that I thought was kind of fun about this trip was the sleeping arrangements that I had, because uh, there was four of us in a room, but there was only one bed. Uh, oh, it, <laughs> it was a large bed, mind you, um, but so two of us were in the bed. Uh, Chris Miller. Uh, another co-host on the Cabal, he had an inflatable mattress, so that was taking up the majority of the floor space, and Jamie slept every night in a chair. Oh, Jamie. (laughs) With his his feet up on a little ottoman. After the first night of waking up, he was freezing cold, the poor guy. The the air conditioner had been running, and he had like a towel, like a little hand towel <laughs> draped across him. And when we woke up, he was just there. It was kind of cute and also very sad. I was in I was in a bed with with a friend of theirs named Donald. Uh, like I said, it was it was a very big bed. So that that love roller coaster title for this episode does not apply in this case. Um, it was it was lots of space there, uh, but it was great. I, I have to admit, uh, I slept pretty good, but it was fun waking up in the morning with these three other guys to talk about what we're going to do the next day. And also, um, when we go to bed at night, there'd be all that like late night banter, just like when you're a little kid and you're like trying to go to sleep, but you keep talking and someone keeps bringing stuff up. I mean, it was kind of ridiculous. What about you? Were you in a room with like four people? No, I was just in a room with one, and I actually lucked out. I now, that's I sensible. To, that's I sensible, I was going, I was going to be by myself, but one of my friends came. Now, I had one of those big beds, too, but he brought an, an inflatable mattress, so I got the bed, and he got the mattress, so there was no uncomfortable situations each night. There you go. But he didn't freeze, so I, I feel bad for Jamie, though. <laughs> One of the exciting things that we did get to do was I had set up a time with uh, Chevy Dodd, who is the U.S. representative for Portal Games, to show uh, myself and Rodney and uh, Keith Collins uh, some new games that were coming out from Portal. And that was being the new two-player game, Tides of Time, Rattle Battle Grab the Loot, and uh, the new faction for Imperial Settlers, Atlanteans. So we got up on Saturday morning around nine and and Rodney I must say I'm impressed that you made it there at nine after a a late night on Friday (laughs) the cabal meetup was the night before (laughs) and uh, that went till about three or four in the morning uh, as I recall and uh, but listen man I'm a professional I'm going to be there you listen I want to thank you too because uh, I believe it was you who invited me along to come into this and I wanted to see these games demoed so I I wasn't going to miss it Uh, and it was it was really cool to see all that that new stuff coming what was funny was that uh, Jamie is supposed to be there too, and you said, "Yeah, that ain't happening." So he, he, he's sitting in a chair, freezing with a towel over him. So we did get him some blankets. Just to be fair, we did get him some blankets. So Rattle Battle Grab the Loot is this new game from McNasi that is uh, roll dice in a box, and you're trying to uh, shoot ships 
And uh, the dice represent ships, and uh, what you tr- do is you roll them, you compare numbers, and your ship. They almost can... are like miniatures, right? Like in a way, like you you, it you is. dump them in, and then like where they're positioned in the box and their values relates to how you can move them around using a little measuring thing that comes with the game, and they attack each other, right? It's it's <laughs> it's quite different. It, it is really, but there's a lot of luck based in the dice rolls. But once you resolve that and you you can board uh, ships and take loot, you actually go into port and you can upgrade your ships by getting more cannons, being able to hold more loot, uh, add sails to your ship so that you can use sails or move to move your dice uh, dice inside the box. It's a really interesting concept, and I'm really interested to see how people what people are going to think about it. That was by far my favorite part of it: building the ships. I love doing that and, and watching it grow in front of you. Now, there's a little bit of rumbling amongst the convention here because a, a, a much sought after game was finally going to be released here in North America, Spyfall. And it was being released by Cryptozoic, but they only brought 100 copies. Now, what I heard, Marty, I don't know if you heard this as well, and it could just be rumor, okay? So just take this for what it's worth. But people were saying that Cryptozoic's comment was, well, that should be enough to cover us. Yes. 100 copies of Spyfall. At Origins. <laughs> that, that was the comment early Thursday morning when I went to pick up my copy. This should cover us the entire weekend. I laughed. That, that's a joke, right? I mean, I, there's a part of me that feels like, okay, sometimes people might accuse Cryptozoic of being a little bit disconnected from what's going on in the gaming community. Like, they, they're good at acquiring licenses, um, but some of their games maybe haven't, uh, wouldn't fit in uh, with some of the other games in the hobby in terms of maybe the quality level of the design. You know, some people might say that they acquire licenses and aren't as concerned with the gameplay that's attached to it. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying some people might say that. Right. And so it, it's, this felt like, wow, this felt like a company that was disconnected from <laughs> the demand that there exists for this game. At BGGCon, it was like all the rage. It seemed like everyone, if you could find a copy, people were trying to play it, right? And that momentum has been building all year long, I would say. Yeah, and what was funny was uh, at the uh, midday on Thursday, my roommate who was coming in said, can you please go grab me a copy? I went over there and actually grabbed the last copy that was on the shelf. And I said, y'all did it. Y'all sold out in one day. And they almost didn't care. It was almost like, well, whatever. We got They'll be in the stores next week and people can get them in. I'm like, dude, lost opportunity right here at the con. Yeah, to have a lot of people playing it and then going home and talking about it, right? Yeah, it's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, so I, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. When, when we heard there was only 100 copies or so, it's like, yeah, this, you guys are going to be out so fast and not know what hit you. Yeah. <laughs> so with my last two minutes, I didn't get to talk about the other Portal games. So we got to play Tides of Time. Well, actually, Keith Collins and I got to play Tides of Time, which is a two-player drafting game. But I think you had already played that one before, hadn't you? Yeah, uh, I ran to one of the other guys who was doing some demoing for Por- Portal Ben at the Secret Cabal meetup, and I saw, I think he had a copy with him. I said, I want to play this. I was so interested in that game when I first heard about it, because it's a small, like, micro game from Portal. I thought, well, what's this going to be about, right? So we played it, and then you guys played it. What did you think? I, I liked it. it. It was, I thought, okay, this is going to be a nice little two-player filler game, but it, it's actually kind of a little mind-bender once you get into it. Oh, it's got some meat on the bones. Like, I, I um... I was playing it with a buddy last night, uh, and he was like, he said, my brain's smoking. And this guy is somebody who's really good at, like, he just figures games out real quick. But it's thinky, because it's, it's a, it's a two-player drafting game. Uh, and, and so you're going back and forth, and you, and you each know what's out there, but what is the other person going to do? That's the real question, right? And trying to guess what they're going to do and what's going to benefit you. You're constantly either just choosing to keep one for yourself that you want or simply keep one that you know the other player wants more. <laughs> and so that's, that creates some really interesting, tough decisions. And it plays fast. It says 20 minutes. I would say that's true. 
Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It plays fast, and it's one of those things where each of the cards can give you a points in a certain way based on suits that are played on the table or sets and whatnot. Yeah. And so you're trying to c- accumulate the most points as possible without keeping your with keeping your opponent from uh, getting suits. It was definitely one of the highlights of the con, and so it's coming out at Gen Con, so keep an eye on that. We also got to see preview of the new faction of Atlanteans coming out for Imperial Settlers, and boy, that thing plays different. Super cool. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be one of those ones that you probably wouldn't want to start your first game of Imperial Settlers with, but man, it had some neat, interesting ideas, right? Yeah, even Chevy said, this is not the starting faction. You want to have some experience before you play this because there's no victory points with the Atlantean cards. You have to gather points throughout the game. Exactly. Very, very interesting. I'll tell you one thing I'm going to pack next year if I go to Origins again. Pair gloves. <laughs> because the tables at Origins, I was warned, I was forewarned that they're pretty bad. They're pretty beat up. And wow, is that ever true? Some of those tables look, I don't know, it looks like like literally werewolves were there playing werewolf. Because like they're just clawed up. I, I had one guy, and this is no joke, it's a little bit gross. He got like a, a, a splinter right underneath his fingernail, like dug right up in there. It was, it's, it's, ugh. Oh, it's just terrible. <laughs> and I noticed that... Oh, what were you going to say there? No, I was going to say, and I don't understand. Some of the tables had tablecloths over them, and others didn't. And these are just bare wood tables, by the way. They aren't they aren't plastic. They're wood. And that's what he's talking about. And they're all chewed up, and they're all splintery. Yeah. And, and Keith Collins, uh, what a good guy. He went out and bought tablecloths, like picnic tablecloths, and, and brought them <laughs> for a couple of the tables and was passing them out to people who might need them. Uh, which was which was very thoughtful, and you'd think you know that maybe the origins people could could manage to afford a couple of uh, uh, tablecloths for for some of those tables anyway. And now, to be fair, a lot of the tables were fine; they were covered, right? Right. But there was enough of them that weren't that it was just kind of like, oh, it's kind of unattractive and, and a little bit dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only for your your hands, but also for the game. So I mean, yeah, the, the cards could get caught on like a, a splinter or a sliver of wood and and like rip the card or bend a board. It's just not good for your games. Yeah, I think I think Keith was more concerned about keeping his games in good condition instead of his hands. No, I agree because your hands are going to heal. But I mean, a, a wrecked game. I mean, what are you going to do there? That's that's just a travesty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess there's only so many tablecloths that are available in Columbus that they couldn't get enough. Now, granted, they put out a lot of tables, right? They so really I guess did. that would be a lot of tablecloths. But still, they either need to upgrade the tables or just go ahead and pony up for some decent tablecloths. I agree. Having a little fun at Origins expense, but overall, everything was fine. But there were some weird tables. Well, speaking of which, I, I do have another little bit of an issue. Yeah? The, the gaming hall would close. Every, so there was this huge hall, Hall D, where everybody would gather basically at night for, for the gaming because it was the largest area. It was also where the games library was from cabs. And they were shutting this thing down at 1 a.m. each night. Now, two years ago when I went, they didn't shut down this hall. I, really? I don't, I don't get it. No. I oh. remember staying up till 2 or 3 in the morning playing games. But every night at 1 a.m., you've got the – it was I don't know who it was. Was it Gamma or Security walking around? All right, fellas, time to wrap it up. We're going to close the hall. We're like, what? It's only 1 a.m. Oh, I know. And this, this, really, this really hurt me, too, at one point uh, because – Jamie and I have been talking for some time. Again, Jamie from the Secret Cabal Gaming Podcast. We've been talking for some time about playing Trajan finally. Uh, he wanted to play it. It was a Stefan Fell game. Uh, I wanted to play it. And so we had set it up to play. And we were, I think, one, one sort of quarter of the game in. And the guy came around and said we had to leave. I had no idea that we were going to get kicked out or I wouldn't have set it up in the first place. In the end, it kind of saved us because 
this was, I think, the last was it the last night of the con, and Jamie was definitely fading. I was fading a little bit, and Trajan's no lightweight game, <laughs> so no. so it probably saved us a little bit. But yeah, I was really surprised that they were shutting. I, I, would it be like a, a insurance thing? Like I have no idea why they'd be sending people out who want a game. I mean, there's other places you can go game, but. You know, that's the main area. You'd set your games up there, and it kind of sucks to, like, have to quit in the middle of something. Well, I don't know. There's not really another big area to game. I mean, there's the bar at 2, which has the geek sheet tables. Yes. There's a, there was a couple tables set up upstairs, but that was the main gaming area. I'm not sure where you would go once you left that place. No, you're right. The majority of the tables was in that hall they were shutting down. No question. Yeah, you're right. That's So I'm hoping somebody complains about that, and they take care of that next year because 1 a.m. just ain't going to cut it. Well, I'll tell you something I'm not going to complain about. The food. Oh, my goodness. I've been to some conventions, but I have to say Origins takes it for the food options in the local area. Like at Gen Con, it, there's so much hustle and bustle that breaking for food can be just kind of a nuisance. And the lines, especially if you try to go somewhere close, are kind of outrageous. And then at BGG Con, you're at an airport. So... <laughs> Yeah, there's not really anywhere you can go unless you're willing to drive a distance. And I, I don't know. I don't take a car with me. I fly in. So that's not great. But here, man, there were so many different places you could go to eat. Did you? Did you? I mean, you were going out eating too, right? Oh, of, of course. In fact, I heard your segment on the Secret Cabal, the Express, where you guys were talking about the places to eat. And I think I hit all those just like you did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I even got a rare treat. I went to a, a hibachi restaurant, a Japanese restaurant, where they serve the food there in front of you cook it all up, right? And that was that was really cool. I hadn't done that before. There was the uh, the North Market, right? That's 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 the highlight right there of the North Market. And uh, and that was that was fantastic cuz they have so many different food. I remember I ran into you there. I was trying to figure out where to go for lunch and you were just raving about the place. Like, "Oh, you got to try this out. You got to try that out." Like, <laughs> yeah, and you were like, "I'm just going to go to Barley's." I'm like, "Dude, how can you walk out of the North Market without getting something? Some ice cream, get a pretzel, get a waffle, get you something." Were, you were really like exasperated with me. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> Don't you dare leave this place until you've gotten something. Uh, yeah, I was looking for somewhere to sit down and have a quick meeting, so that, that's why we ended up uh, walking under there. But I, I went back, Marty. I went back twice. Okay. And, and you were absolutely right. It was it was uh, fantastic. So much variety there. And what did you get? Uh, I had a I had a po boy, a catfish po boy, and I think the next time I went back, I had some kind of fish and chips type deal thing, which was really good. Oh well, there there is so much more. You see, you just have to go back to Orge again, Origins again, just to try more of the food that there because you you missed a lot. Honestly, I would for the food. It's it's excellent. One of the things I love about going to any con is is being able to meet up with old friends, like you know, being able to meet up with you, Rodney, and 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 seeing each other and talking to each other. We talk online and stuff. And it, I think that's it's different one, in person, though, isn't it? Like it is. Yeah, it is. And it's just a, it's just a highlight, especially if you've been talking to somebody maybe online but never met them face to face, and you make right. that face to face contact, and it's like old buddies. It is. You know, like like you've known each other. Like my first bro hug of the con was Scott Morris or Tox <laughs> uh, from from Crits Happen. I, he like yelled my name across the, the hall, and I ran over there to him, and he gave me a big old hug. And that is just the best part. It just is meeting up with people. It really is. It's, it's exciting because um, you, you, even if you haven't met in person, you have this, uh, not to overstate, but you have this kind of in, intimate connection because of this hobby that we share, which is already so, so, so social, right? And, and so you already feel on some level like you get this other person. Now, of course, that's only one sliver of who this person is, but it gives you something to connect to, right? That shared enjoyment of the hobby. 
Um, and so it automatically gives you things to talk about, things to be excited about together. And uh, yeah, it, it's great. And it's also neat because you get to meet new people, right? Every time you go to a convention, either you're, you're meeting up with friends you have, but then they have friends you don't know. And so you're meeting those people or you're just joining a pickup game and you're meeting people that way. And some of those relationships extend beyond just the convention that you're at, right? Yeah, it was so cool. I'd actually, you know, I've talked online with the guys that you uh, hung out with, uh, Secret Cabal in the room and stuff, but I never met him face to face. And it was so much fun hanging out with uh, Jamie and Donald and Chris and Steve and Bender. And those guys just like welcomed me right in and, and we played games and we laughed and had a great time. And now, I th- was it you that said, or it was either Jamie, it's like each year the group gets a little bit bigger yeah, and, and a little so more inclusive, but it's it's just like a, it's like you said, it's like summer camp for gamers where everybody comes <laughs> back and makes all these new relationships and everybody's hugging and then sad when everybody has to leave oh good times it is kind of sad when you have to leave it's a little it's a little depressing you know something i made a plan when i came to this this convention i wanted to play a bunch of games uh that was one of the that was one of the conditions christy sending me on this trip was don't schedule any work just go and have fun so i didn't book things with publishers i didn't plan out i had a couple of games planned out but not too many um and so I made a list, and the master list had 46 games on it. Now, these are all games that me and the Cabal guys had said, these are ones we'd like to play. And they were driving, so they were able to pack a bunch of games, right? And Jamie's like, we're not even going to play 10% of these games. That's, this is outlandish. Don't, like, <laughs> you're just setting yourself up for disappointment here. But in the end, I personally played 10 of the games on the list. And for going to a convention, that's pretty good for me. Um, and, and some of them were, were pretty meaty, some of them were light, and some of them were games that weren't on this list. So I played more than 10 different games in total, but the ones I put on my list, I crossed off 10 of them. And collectively, amongst our group, we played about 20 of them. So I thought that was pretty good. Now, did you, did you come to this convention with some certain games in mind that you wanted to play? Or, and how did you feel about how many you did get to play? Well, the ones I was wanting to play were some of the new stuff that were coming out. I wanted to try the new things like we talked about from Portal and, and whatnot. I guess I was coming to the convention thinking, uh, like, like, say, uh, Trajan. It's like, um, I already have Trajan, so I don't need to go to the convention and play it. You know, somebody wants to right. play it, and I, I teach them the first time. So I was coming to look look for experiences I hadn't had as opposed to getting games to the table, which I'd already played. So personally, I probably played less games than what you did, but I was also doing a lot of demos, too. Uh, a lot of the, there were a lot of designers there showing off their new games. Like, oh my gosh, that new micro game from um, Emerson uh, Matsui from uh, Nazca Games. Oh yeah, you know, little things like that. Getting try out really cool games like that. That's that's what I really got into. I don't even know if he's talking about it yet, so I don't I don't want to say anything. But man, that little game, whew, it blew my mind. Yep. <laughs> he said, "I'll teach it to you in one minute. It's a prototype. I'll teach him one, and we'll play in ten. And man, I, we stayed and played it like three or four more times after that. It was it was great. Speaking of games, obviously one of the biggest companies there was Asmodee. And they had a huge booth, and they had a booth that was outside of the main vendor hall that closed at 6. So their booth could stay open till 9 or 10 at night, and they kept it um, manned that long so you could buy games and also demo games. And the three hottest games that were there, well, it was obvious the first day what a hot game was, and that was Elysium. Yes. Uh, even, even though it had been out, you know, probably starting Wednesday night, uh, Ron, you probably saw people walking around with the box and the play mat under their arm all night long. That's right, because that play mat, if you bought it there... I think you got the playmat for free, didn't you? That's correct. So you you paid full price for the game, but you got a really nice playmat for putting all the cards down. So yeah. Wednesday night, Thursday morning, there were a lot of people walking around with the listing, and they sold out of that. I believe it was early Friday. That game was gone. Uh, they were also introducing uh, Parfume. 
Yeah. Uh, which, which I got to play, which is kind of a light to medium Euro where the goal is, is you're trying to collect ingredients to make p- perfume. And once you get your perfume bottle completed, then you sell it to like, uh, sell it to someone who's looking for that particular type of perfume. And the whole goal is to, is to make money and the person with the most money at the end of the game, uh, wins. I actually got a copy of it. I think it's a, it's a nice little uh, Euro. I played Elysium too, which, which I, first time I played, I was like, eh, I don't know. I played the base game. Right. And then I, played the second game with all the families totally different game tip if you're going to teach somebody elysium don't do the basic game do the full game because it makes it so much better so it kind of won you over then a bit yeah after the second one me and eric summer were after the first game going i don't see what the big deal is because you know this is up for a kenner award sure is yeah and i I just didn't see it and another game they were introducing was metal adventures which i did not get to play but they got the coolest little point scoring thing (laughs) that has like all these points of articulation on the cardboard it is really wild it's by the same like studio that made uh kemet and cyclades right so i'm pretty keen to check that one out as well i didn't get a chance to play it oh gosh you will be all over it then (laughs) well I'll tell you something, you were getting a little bit of teasing online uh, and in person, Marty, because you had a, you had a selfie stick with you. Um, <laughs> I don't know why people are giving you such a hard time, but I have to admit it was kind of addictive because I, I kind of got, uh, I teased you a little bit too. But I'll tell you something, for all the joking that we did, you took some of the best pictures with it. <laughs> some of the best <laughs> pictures of that at con were with that selfie stick. Uh, so how did you find using that? Was that something new you picked up for the event or... It was. It was all for the show. It wasn't for me. It no, was for the no. show. Um, no, what it was is I knew that I was going to be out there by myself taking videos. Yeah, you were a lone gunman here. Tony wasn't here to help you out, so. No, nor was my family. So, yeah, my family didn't get to go to this either. So you replaced Tony with a stick. Is that what we're saying? Uh, pretty much. So okay. Tony's functionality can be replaced by a stick is <laughs> okay. what I'm saying. Yeah, all right. <laughs> a long stick. <laughs> um, but instead of holding something at arm's length, a camera or something, you couldn't get a good view. I said, all right, well, I'm just going to mount it onto a pole so I can push the camera out a little bit further. And I had a pretty decent mic to put on the camera because it would pick up. I just needed to get it away from me, and I didn't want to ask somebody to do it thus the selfie stick so you know what it worked it did work it really did you, you got a great picture of a bunch of us playing uh, gravwell and uh, it really would only have worked if we had had that selfie stick although i say that when you go to these conventions like i try to take you know a number of pictures of the games that i'm playing but i do end up taking a lot of selfies like pictures with people i'm running into and that sort of thing i hope it i hope it doesn't come across as obnoxious to people who are watching but there is a certain amount of excitement for me personally seeing some of these people again we go back to that whole summer camp thing of like running into friends and, and wanting to have a picture together. And I, I, I have those. I save them because it's memories for me of the trip. And it's kind of fun to share those with people as well, right? So they can kind of see these online personalities that we have actually hold up in person. You know what I mean? Like we're friends in real life too. <laughs> that, that's right. So selfie stick. I use it for groups, not selfies. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of the Gravel game you were talking about, this was actually um, set up as part of the Jack Vassal Memorial Fund auction that we did. Last year, we were going to auction off uh, the chance to play with us at a convention, and Patrick Hillier was the one that won that auction, and thank you so much for Patrick for contributing all that uh, money to that. It was for a great cause. Definitely. So he said, I said, what you want to play? He said, I want to play Gravwell. And I said, okay. And he actually found out that Corey Young, the designer, was going to be there. I said, awesome. Let's both of us play. And then I thought, when I found out you were going to be there, I thought it would be cool to bring Rodney in and let him play. And then we added, um, Corey also wanted to play. We we got above four people. And I went, "Uh uh-oh, Corey, what are we going to do? He said, 
well, how about this? How about if I let you guys try out the new five and six player expansion for Gravwell? So we did that. And let me tell you what, I was kind of hesitant about five and six player Gravwell, but Corey did a great job. It works. He fixed it. He figured out how to make it work. I Listen, Marty, I want to thank you uh, for inviting me to be part of this because I had such a good time. Patrick... With such a, I mean, I've interacted with Patrick online, particularly on Twitter and that. And what a, what a super nice guy. And uh, it was great to, to share that experience with, with all of you. And having six ships in Gravwell, uh, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the game, just know that it, it could be very chaotic. It's already pretty crazy when you have four on there. But Corey solved it by basically having sort of two teams of three that are coming from two different sides and then colliding in the center. So you really only get tangled up for a certain portion of it. And it creates some pretty funny, interesting situations. So it works without becoming overbearing, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. So at the beginning of the game, there's three trying to get out to the outer of the part of the circle, three trying to get in. And like you said, in the middle, it's chaos. But once you get through each other, it's like a regular normal game again. So Patrick, thank you so much for setting that up. It was great fun. Corey was a great guy. Thank you to Renegade Booth for letting us use uh, their table for setting it up. And we got a nice group shot with the selfie stick. Sure did. Well, speaking of groups, um, there was quite a number of people at Origins this year. Now, I haven't been there before, so I, I couldn't sort of judge it based on feel, but based on the numbers, attendance has been released, the numbers have been released, and it's up. I think it was like 15,900 and something, so we can round it up. We'll say 16,000 people were in attendance, and those were unique sales, I believe, of tickets uh, to get in. And what was it What was it the year before? It was 12,000-something. Yeah, 12,000. I think that was also pretty close to like 13,000. So it was like, so we went about 3,000 more, right, uh, on yeah, balance. Yeah, it was like 24, 25% increase. And usually they'd just been averaging about a 10% increase. Now, would you say you felt the difference? Like, did you notice? Yes. You did, okay. How? I, like, it, 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 was, it was more energy. It just seems like more people was uh, moving around the vendor hall. Right. It's, it's a big convention center. It is, and they use a lot of. I didn't even go to the magic room where there was tons of people. Oh, me either. I didn't go to the RB, RPG halls where there was a lot of people. So it, it was funny. Some people said it felt like there was less people. I'm going. I don't think so. And then the numbers came out, and it was by a lot. Now I'm. I don't know why. I can't figure out why the sudden jump. I think you know my theory is that conventions in general are all growing because this hobby is growing, and so people who maybe weren't aware or who wouldn't have gone to a convention, I think in part are listening to more media creators talking about conventions and the experience of going. I know for me, that was a big part of it. When I was first getting back into the hobby, I was listening to some of my favorite podcasters talking about going to cons and how much fun they were. And I wanted to experience that. And that's a big part of what drew me to go to a con. Uh, so I think I think that might be contributing. And I think Origins, although it had a bit of a, a down year a few years back, has been sort of reclaiming its its reputation. And I want to say it surprised me how big this con was in terms of the amount of space. I didn't I couldn't really picture it in my mind, but it has quite a big dealer section as well. Not rivaling Gen Con, but certainly a large one. Yeah, and next year it's going to be the middle of June, uh, which should actually help because some of the schools weren't out yet. So right. people like my family who have their kids out of school will be able to go. So next year could be even bigger. Now, one of my disappointments, Rodney, yes. of this convention was before we even went, you, I, and Jamie were talking about, <laughs> hey, let's get together and have like a mini conquest tournament, Warhammer 40K Conquest, the LCG from Fantasy Flight. So all of us were talking about what faction you're going to build, and all of us built our deck. It's a game that plays in like 15 minutes. We didn't get one darn game in. 
<laughs> no, we did not. I have I have been buying the expansions for this since it came out. I've played the game three times, I think, in total. But I I, I really enjoyed the the games that I played, and I, I liked the system, and I wanted to play it more. Um, and I'm I'm not going to keep collecting it indefinitely, but I wanted to get at least the first cycle. And I thought, hey, my buddies are going to be here. They're playing. I know you're playing Conquest. Jamie wants to play Conquest as well. We'll make it happen. I'll go build a deck. And I did. I built a deck, right? I, I've carefully thought it out, was making decisions about what I wanted to put in it. But yeah, man, even despite all the gaming we got done, we just we couldn't make that happen. We talked about it, but we couldn't make it happen. Yeah, and even even on the last day, as we're sitting in the hotel lobby, our bags are packed. Oh, yeah, we're, right. We're, right. We're waiting to go meet Isaac Vega, the designer of Ashes, and a couple of his friends. Yeah. We pull out our decks, and we said, finally, we're going to play a game. The phone rings. It's Isaac <laughs> saying, we're ready. Y'all come on down. Yeah, we put the decks away, put them back in the bag, and that was pretty much it for Conquest for Origins. Not meant to happen. Not that time. In the future, though, we'll make it happen. Yeah, but anyway, it's a it's a fun game. You, I do hope you get to play it some more. It's... The dynamics are, are real, really fun. That the art's fantastic. So hopefully you got a play group around there you can play with. I'm I'm trying. I'm working on some LCGs with them. So if a couple of them can hit, maybe I can get Conquest to the table as well. But you, you mentioned you mentioned about packing things up into our bags. That could become a challenge um, if you if you do a little bit of spending at a convention, um, or if you're if you're doing some some board game media. Sometimes you end up getting a few games to bring home for for those purposes. And uh, one of the challenges is, is trying to make sure you stay underweight, <laughs> let alone fit everything in. How did you do with that, Marty? Because I know at the in the lobby, you were packing stuff in. And I feel like I have a pretty good arm for 50 pounds. <laughs> so I was lifting your suitcase and I was going, yeah, I think you're good. I think you're good. And then you added a few more things in. And then I was like, I'm not sure anymore. I feel like maybe <laughs> you're, you're pushing it. Did, did you end up being okay or what happened? So um, when I got to the airport, I was at 53 Pounds. Wow. So I am. I knew it. I, I just felt like I think you just went over. It's <laughs> so funny. I was over by one copy of Stockpile. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I had to take Stockpile out of my bag just and carry, carry, it under it under, carry it under my arm <laughs> for basically four legs because I had to go on a business trip. <laughs> so I went from there to Chicago, Chicago to South Dakota. The next day, South Dakota, Chicago, Chicago to Charlotte, the whole time carrying <laughs> Stockpile around with me. Oh my goodness! But that, I generate I generate a lot of buzz for the game. Everybody's like asking me, "What's that game yeah, about?" <laughs> I'm sure the publisher. I'm sure Seth Van Orden was just thrilled that you were uh, <laughs> you were walking around with plain view with it. I, I had the same problem. I was about three pounds over, and I just had to had to juggle and squeeze and read you know Jenga everything together Tetra style you know get everything into my luggage. Yeah, but that that doesn't change the weight. It, it, it well, I had one bag that was just smaller. I couldn't fit oh. much more in, and so I had to like try to find stuff that was heavier in the bigger luggage that I could put in there and swap them out. And in the end, I got I got it to work. But it was it took some fantastic... It's its own kind of game at the end of a convention. I, I, I totally agree. And so I'm taking my whole family to Gen Con. I, I don't know. And we're flying. Oh, Tell them to pack light. <laughs> yeah, the madness is going to be when we get to the airport. No. So I had mentioned Isaac Vega earlier, who is the designer of um, Ashes, uh, Phoenix-born. Mm. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the full title of the card game? Ashes... Rise of the Phoenix Born. I Rise of the Phoenix Born, thank you, which is being published by Plat Hat Games and is right now on pre-order. That was one of the highlights of the con that I wanted to check out. I was absolutely taken aback by the art 
on that, those cards. I just think it's some of the most gorgeous art I've ever seen on cards. And this is coming from, you know, I talked about Conquest having gorgeous art, and it does. Yes. But boy, there's something about the style and design of the Ashes card. So I had a chance to sit down with Isaac, and I was kind of already interested in it because of the art, and I like card games, like, like LCG-type card games. But oh my, this game blew me away. I was totally worried about it having dice in it because that you roll the dice and the dice determine what kind of resources you have to get cards into play. But he has these mechanics for mitigating the luck of the dice. So if you don't get something you want, there's a way. Maybe you have to pay a cost to do it to get what you want into play. It only you can only build a deck of thirty, so it should be as easy deck building. Oh, I really like that game. Yeah, listen, I was I, you know I was really exciting to see it. Um, I played a really early, early, early print and play version of it, so it was it was kind of exciting to, for for me to see for, for Isaac having this completed copy here because I know he's been really putting his heart and soul into this. They've been running it through its paces with play testers, trying to get it exactly right, and and I was really, really, really pleased with the gameplay. You talk about those dice, and all most games have some kind of resource management element like. You can't have infinite amount of money to spend to bring out cards. You know, there's usually some kind of limiting factor. And the dice work is that here. But like you say, there are ways to mitigate. It comes at a cost, but enough to, like, force you to make those interesting choices. Do I throw away a card I need to get the die where I need it to be able to do something else? I mean, it's too hard to talk about in this quick segment, but there's a lot of interesting things going on here. I'm going to have a video for that soon going up, giving a quick overview so people can get a sense of it, and then also a full instructional video. People are curious about checking it out before uh, they pre-order. Yes, and the pre-order is going on right now, so if you get that video up, we'll definitely promote it, and you want to go check it out. Well, I'll tell you, was there any games that you discovered at the con? Like... It doesn't even have to be something new, Marty. Was there anything there that you just kind of played that you had, you know, maybe hadn't played before, and you're like, "Wow, this is great"? I maybe found a new appreciation for something there. Well, actually, uh, the game that I kind of played that I had, knew nothing about and is not even out yet is the one that you brought. Oh, uh, you mean uh, well? There's a couple names. Code names, yes. From from Vladish Vadal. Uh, yes. This Why don't you tell us about that? Sure, one? sure. So this is a team game. You have two teams, and you have a, a series of of uh, w- single words out on the table in a five by five grid. Two, there's sort of like two leaders of the teams. They sit on one side of the table, and they look at a little grid that tells them which ones of these names represent their their spies that are out in the field, right? And so you're trying to get your teammates who are across from you to identify which spies are yours. So you look at all these different words, you try to think of a single word that relates some of them together. Maybe the word elephant is out there. Maybe the word um, cat is out there. So you might say animal, okay? And so you might say animal too. And that means that the other your teammates can now look at all these words and pick one that they think is one of the spies from their team. So they might pick elephant. For example, and then if that's correct, I would put a blue dot on it if we're the blue team, and then the other the other team, and then they could guess again. Sorry, they can make a second guess. You might guess wrong. You might guess one of the other team's spies, in which case they get to put a red dot on it for their team. And so ultimately, what you're trying to do is the most efficient, in the most efficient way possible, is help your team find the spies that are out there with this this sort of word play that you're doing, a little deduction word play game. Well, I brought up that game, Rodney, and we didn't get a chance for you to talk about yours. So here we are. Since this is our show, I can break rules, so I'm going to break Flying Squirrel's protocol okay. and allow us to go over the two-minute mark. So what games did you discover? Oh, oh, the, oh the power you wield, Marty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, we, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a game that we brought up before uh, already, Tides of Time, that portal game. That one, I think that was the one that really stood out for me. 
because I didn't know anything about it going in. And uh, I was really impressed with, with the gameplay of that. Uh, another game I played that I absolutely went head over heels for was Kemet. I don't know if you've ever heard me talk about Kemet. Oh, Lord. Okay, thanks. Your time is up. Okay, okay I'm, I'm reinstating the flying squirrels protocol of a two-minute limit. No, just kidding. <laughs> Fair enough. No, I, I did get a chance to bring Kemet to the table, one of, one of the games I quite enjoy. Actually, uh, my buddy Chris was playing it. He invited me to join. Of course, I jumped at the chance to do that and had a, had a fantastic game of that. So, uh, you know, any, any chance I get to name drop Kemet, I, I, I take. So, so thanks for that extra time. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you know, there was a game that I had not even planned on looking at and played it once to enough to where I actually went and picked it up. And that's Nations the Dice Game. Oh, yeah, yeah. We played a couple games of that. That's right. Yeah, yes, we did. And that really took me by surprise to the point where I went over to Asmodeus like, yeah, I think I'm going to get a copy because I thought that was a good little game. I, I have to mention one other game. I'm sorry. We're going to go over a little bit more maybe. But what was that game? Uh, baseball Highlights? Uh, 2045? Yeah. I... I played that for the first time, and you know what? I was really impressed. I had a great time playing that and, uh, and, and, and got a copy of that. I'm really looking forward to, to trying that out with Luke. I'm not a baseball guy at all, but I really liked how the deck building worked in that, and I enjoyed how it sort of you know mimicked baseball gameplay in its own way. There we go, everybody. There is our Origins Edition of Flying Squirrels. We know that was a lot coming out at you, but there was a lot going on at Origins, wasn't there, Rod? Oh man, yeah. I'm in, I'm in a cold sweat here. That was that was so. It was kind of fun though. Like I enjoyed kind of rehashing all that and thinking about the experience because you know you get away from it and and I, I miss it. But it was kind of like re talking about it reminded me of some of those fun times we had together. That was that was great. I hope people I hope people are able to follow along pretty good. <laughs> it's all over, Boomwinkle. So, Narani, over the course of less than a year, you've attended probably the three biggest U.S. conventions. You've attended Gen Con, BGG Con, and now Origins. So, I thought it'd be interesting at this point to get some contrasted comparisons between those conventions because there may be some people out there that have attended one or two but not another or none at all, and they may want some ideas or advice on what to expect when they go or maybe there's some pros or cons between the conventions that they might want to know to help them in their decision making. Yeah, this is a this is gonna be tough. Uh, I mean, it, it, when you compare against Gen Con, it's not as difficult because it's it's such a different animal altogether. I think uh, it's it's larger than any of the other conventions here in North America. I think you'd say by far. Wouldn't you agree? It's about cl closing in on sixty thousand attendees. Yeah, and I guess the second largest gaming-specific convention, I guess at this point, would be Origins. Right, right. And that's what we say, like 16,000, right? Right. So there's quite a big gap there. And and also at Origins, although you have some new releases, the majority of them seem to land around Gen Con. So there's one thing to think about. If you're really into the, the hot new stuff, then I would say Gen Con is probably pl the place to go. Now, BGG Con is kind of a, uh, up there, too, because it's right after Essen. So they often will have the games there, at the very least, for you to demo, even if they're not for sale, because uh, the Board Game Geek crew there will collect all that stuff up and bring it to the convention to have in the library. And they usually have a room set up specifically for that new hot stuff with people manning tables there to demo it for you. So I think that's another rather unique thing about BGGCon. 
And Origins does have its own share of new releases, and maybe that'll grow more as time goes on, as that as that convention um, evolves too. Right. I mean, like for example, Upper Deck basically used orange uh, or or oranges. That's awesome, Marty. Use or or <laughs> like you're saying now. They used oranges. Use that, use that convention in Columbus, Ohio, to sp- to springboard uh, bringing out your dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. They were they were a big sponsor, right, of of the show. I think they had that on the, all the lanyards, didn't they? Yes. And then their booth was nothing but. Bring out your dead stuff. I mean, with with coffins and coffin shaped tables. Right. So, I mean, I'm I'm starting to wonder now with Origins in, increasing in size, if now some people are going to start to pick games to do at Origins it, as a way to avoid some of the noise that happens at Gen Con. So, let's face it, there's some new games that come out of Gen Con that's going to get lost in the big releases from like FFG. Yeah, that's a very good point, Marty. Like in a way, Origins is well poised to capture your attention in a way that other other conventions aren't because it is a little smaller, right? So like um, Z-Man Games, uh, they have a, a partner company there, um, Pretzel Games. Uh, they released Flick 'em Up. I think that was its first uh, availability for sale. That was another hot game that sold out quickly too. Yeah, exactly. And Spyfall was there. I mean, I think that was the first time it was officially released here in North America, mm-hmm. wasn't it? So yeah, so so definitely, I wouldn't want someone to think there's no new hot releases there. I think the hype tends tends to still be around Gen Con, where most of it's going to happen. But but uh, you'll find that in other conventions. I think we we hit on something that's. Kind of a big deal uh, earlier in that uh, Flying Squirrels was the, the the time that you can play. Like at Origins shutting down at 1 or 2 in the morning, um, although you can go back to your hotel and you can find other places to game, BGG Con, if, <laughs> if memory serves, was like open all the time. Maybe they closed for like an hour or something. <laughs> but it Did like- the library ever close? The library closed at a certain time. And you couldn't check anything out, but they kept your uh, license or something so that if you had a game checked out, you'd need to check it back in the next day or that, something like that. That's right. And I remember I was gaming there till 3, I think even 4 in the morning in the main hall area. So I, I, I don't recall being sort of kicked out of there. I'd say uh, Board Game Geek and Origins is more gaming focused. Now, I've heard people say, hey, man, I go to Gen Con and I game there all the time. It doesn't stop me from gaming. And So that's, of course, always true. If you're bound and determined to game, then you can do that no matter where you go. You can just stay home and game <laughs> for that matter. But I think that Origins and BGG Con is more conducive to gaming because there isn't as many distractions. Like there aren't as many different events going on. There aren't as many new releases or, or things competing for your attention all the time. So I think it makes the gaming feel more relaxing at least for me and i think that's true for a lot of people based on what i've heard what do you, what do you think about that marty no i i totally agree i think bgg was really it was interesting so bgg has everybody in basically one area they have a huge i guess it's a hall i forgot what they call it. i guess it is a hall down in the basement of the uh, convention center it's really nice but all the gaming tables are in that one spot and you made this comment at origins that because of that you can easily get up and kind of walk around and see your buddies and friends uh, at Origins and Gen Con, the tables and gaming areas are spread all over the place. So people at Gen Con especially, people are gaming in the middle of the floor. People are gaming in the <laughs> hotel lobbies. Yeah. So if you have a group of people that you're interested in seeing, literally they could be anywhere within three or four city blocks. Yeah, you'd never find. I, at at um, Origins still, there were people that I knew were there. Like uh, Tiffany, the one tar. I, we only communicated through Twitter. I never saw her the whole time I was there. and I was looking for her. Um, so even in Origins, it was hard sometimes to, to find certain people. But at BGGCon, I felt like, it, it, to me, it, it reinforced the group gaming a little more. I felt like I was more connected to everybody else 
that was gaming as well. Now, that might not be what you're looking for. You might like some of that more like privacy. Like I had more of that in Origins, like where we'd go up and maybe find a table up and away somewhere and just kind of game in the quiet there, which was also nice at times too. It was. I think what Origins needs to realize is, is don't close the hall at 1 a.m. Go back to the way you used to have it because that D hall, if that D hall stayed open until 3 or 4 in the morning and that be the main focus – Actually, that's a decent-sized space where it can hold a lot of people, but then you could walk around and see people. Yeah. Yeah, I and then, agree. And then make that the, the primary point of, of focus as opposed to at 1 a.m., people splitting up all over the place. Now, granted, Origins does have what they call the bar at 2. Is it bar on 2 or bar at – I think it's bar on 2. Yeah, I think it's the bar uh, Which is yeah. in the Hyatt. And Geek Chic basically brings out a lot of their tables and they set up their tables right in front of the bar area so that you can reserve tables and sit there and game all night and, and drink from the bar. Now, that was a very popular spot each night. It was. And that was pretty cool. Uh, and, and I think they also had a section at BGG Con, too. But, of course, they didn't have a bar <laughs> to go with it. They had a section kind of in the main hall where you could go and reserve tables and play. But this this had more of that pub atmosphere, right? And And lots of energy, lots of people around and playing games and, you know drinking as well and and uh yeah that, that was that was cool i was only there for that one night for the secret cabal meetup but but very very neat atmosphere yeah the library is a lot better well a lot mm, a lot better well done a lot that's, more that's better great Martin. yeah a lot a lot more better well done uh than uh, origins because bgg is basically as part of your admission you basically go check out all the games you want and and play at at the origins, you have to have the games library pass. It's run by a group called Cabs mm-hmm. uh, in order to check out their games. And uh, I didn't even do it this year. The first couple of years I went to Origins, I did it because you also, when you did that, you got a free game too. But it seemed like the number of people that were doing that was getting smaller and smaller. And they actually had a smaller area dedicated to that group this year than I had seen in the past. So less and less people are doing that. So if you want go on to go to a con where you can easily get your hand on a game that you want to try, maybe the new hotness, BGG is good. And to be honest with you, for the times I've been to Gen Con, I've never even checked out their library. No, I, I was I went in there one time, but I didn't really take anything out of their library because usually we bought games that we wanted to play, right? So I, I don't, and I think last year I had spent very little time in the main library. I didn't either, like you, I didn't buy a ticket for the, the boardroom pass or whatever at at Origins, and I didn't miss it. I think what I did what I did miss was the access to the tables sometimes. Now, the Dice Tower, Tom had, had a few tables set up there, and I, I, uh, I attached myself to some Dice Tower members to be able to sit at the tables there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm with Marty. I'm with Marty. <laughs> and I would sneak in there and play on Tom's tables. Uh, and that was nice to have. One thing about Origins, too, I don't know if this is true or not, but it seemed like there were more dealers. Like Asmodee had booths in the same space as the main gaming area. Right, which I think Jamie was telling me, I think that all that area used to be like tables to game on. Yeah, well, the vendors that well, the vendors have decided to move into areas where they can stay open past the other vendor hall. Right, right. Uh, Mayfair is in there too. Now Mayfair has been in there the past few years. They've they've already already been in there. Yeah, last time I went was just two years ago. Yellow was in there too. Yes, that's right. Oh, and WizKids. Actually, uh, the last two years ago, WizKids, Yellow, and Mayfair were all in there. This year, in addition to those, was Asmodee Upper Deck. Hmm. was in there too yeah well listen Mary, do you have a favorite con now like where do these sit for you the three well one thing is also location ah, location yes. location location uh to, to me uh, if i had to rank the three on location the the one that i like the least is bgg con by far agreed it's not even cl- uh, not even close it's basically a hotel at the airport um unless you have a car you're not leaving the hotel and so you don't have a lot of selection for food 
Um, and if you do, you got to get out and leave that area and there's toll roads and you got to drive away <laughs> yes. to, to get somewhere and you get lost as opposed to origins. Like you said, you walk out the convention door and there's North market. There's a nice little bar called Barley's. There's the, um, the hibachi grill yeah. all right there. There's a food court nearby in one of the hotels for like a subway and that sort of food. Food-wise, it's hard to beat Origins. Gen Con probably comes second to that because at least you can walk to an Overstreet Mall or something and get food. Uh, BGG, is location-wise, is, is probably the, the least favorite for me. Yeah, I agree. And you also talk about location. That can be a factor, too, for people who are, say, flying in. Like, BGG Con is, is farther away for me to fly in than it is to, say, Gen Con or, or even uh, Columbus. So, I mean, that can be a consideration. I, I don't know, like, I, you were asking me, so and other people, lots of people were asking me, is it Origins or BGG Con? Because I think, again, I, I hold Gen Con in a whole different place. Like, I think from a, from a just talking as someone who does board game media, um, I think you always have to go to Gen Con, or there's a compulsion to, because of all the energy and hype and, the, and the, the, all the releases that come out there, and all the publishers tend to be there, right? right. So it's hard not to go there if you wish to report on what's going on in, in the in the hobby firsthand. But then you look at BGG Con Origins and man, I, I still haven't decided, man. I really, I really don't know. The, the part that breaks my heart about going to BGG Con over Origins is some of my friends, like the Serial Cabal Game Podcast, they don't go to BGG Con. And I loved being able to hang out with them in person and play at Origins because we don't get the chance to do that at Gen Con. Gen Con is too crazy. So Origins, that was probably one of the best parts of it for me was being able to see, see, see some of those people I don't normally get to play with, play games with and do it there. So that would be the thing that would be the, the real pull for me. I will say, as you're gathering your thoughts, also BGG Con, if you just want to focus strictly on board games, BGG Con is it. Yeah. But if you want to expand further into like RPGs, or miniatures, then you're going to have to do something. Uh, again, let's let's throw Gen Con out because it's a different beast. If whatever you want to do, Gen Con has it right. 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 If you want to do miniatures, RPGs, crocheting, yoga, um, you, you know they have ton. They have thousands, thousands, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of events <laughs> and classes covering everything. Absolutely. So that's a different beast. If you want to do something, they'll have it. But between um, Origins and BGG Con, if you aren't an RPG player. And there are a lot of RPG players that will spend three days playing RPGs. Uh, BGG Con is not even an option for you. You're right. Yeah. You'd have to have a private group wanting to do it. It's not really something that's being promoted by the con itself. Yeah. Uh, right. So it really depends on what kind of game you If you're a board gamer, I think if you're strictly board gaming, I think it's a tougher decision. Oh, uh, well, another nice thing, too, is I know some people that like to go to Origins for the artist row. Uh, they have some authors there like mm-hmm. uh, Tim uh, Timothy Zahn's there. Goes to Origins every year. Who writes Star Wars novels? Yes. Um, a lot of people like to go to see him. There's painting classes. A lot of people like there's some different crafts. Origins offers a little bit more. BGG Con is a little more intimate. It's, yeah, it's more focused, too. You're absolutely right. Like what, what you're doing there is going to be cards and board games specifically. I agree. It's funny. I was talking to my family and Vanessa, who was going to be going with me to BGG Con this year, is looking forward to it. But she says, you know, it's really a bad time of the year. You're talking one week before Thanksgiving. Uh, which is tough on some, if you're a family and you're getting your travel maybe the next week for Thanksgiving, it's just a hard time of year. And whereas Origins is almost like school just let out and it's like, ah, we can breathe. Here's summer vacation. Let's kick it off with a gaming convention. That's right. Yeah. The timing can make a difference for people as well. There's a lot of factors to consider if you're trying to figure out if you had like one convention to pick for the year. 
Uh, I mean, hopefully we've, we've, we've sort of touched on some of the different pros and cons and maybe benefits of each that a person could make their decision. But man, yeah, it's, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of factors to consider for sure. Again, it's hard for uh, Rodney and I to say, like you said, you feel like you need to go to Gen Con. Uh, Origins has a different feel to it than BGG Con. So you might want to find out what you're really looking for. Is it small, intimate, uh, board game focused mainly? BGG Con's right up your alley. If location and being able to do other things outside the convention center, Gen Con or Origins. If you want the latest releases, you got to go to Gen Con. It's almost like Origins is like right in between the two, I, right? I agree. Yeah. It sits in the middle there where it's got a little more of that energy and excitement about retail and releasing stuff and than, say, BGG Con does, but not quite the same size and not quite the same uh, buzz about it. But but it also also provides you lots of gaming opportunities, sort of like BGG Con does. You're right. I think it sits in the middle. So there you go. There's our thoughts on origins. Your mileage may vary. If you've been to different conventions and and want to share your pros and cons, go out to our BGG Guild and uh, let us know what you think comparing the three cons. Yeah, I I definitely go on the Guild. I want to see what people say uh, about this. I'd love to hear some other people's feedback who maybe have gone to some of these cons more often than I have even. Uh, It'd be interesting to see the perspective. One thing I totally forgot, Rodney. See, this is this is why Tony helps keep me in line here. Tony is the one that always names the episodes of our shows. Right, right. And he'll name it, and I'll try to figure out why it was named that way. <laughs> I totally glossed over the name of the show and didn't ask you, do you have any idea why this show is called Love Roller Coasters? I, listen, I had a lot of things come to mind, and I hope that none of them were true. So tell me, what what is the real reason? Do you even know the song Love Roller Coaster? I don't. Okay. Okay. This may be a, a <laughs> tad before your time because I was a, a very young child when this came out. This was a song that came out in 75 by the group The Ohio Players. Ah, uh, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio origins, right? Yep, that's it. <laughs> 75. I was born in 75, so there you well, go. Well, <laughs> yep. So, so as your mom was in the delivery right. room, she may have been listening she to the, the funky sounds of the Ohio players and love roller coaster. <laughs> Thanks for solving that mystery for me and pretty much everyone who's listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> but here, here's an interesting little tidbit about love roller coaster. So, Squirrel. when that song came out, there was a rumor going around about that song. Uh, about a third of the way through the song, in between one of the courses and the second verse, you hear a woman screaming in the background. <laughs> okay. The r- rumor was that this woman was murdered in the studio where they were recorded and they decided to keep the, the scream on tape. What? Now this, yes, I am dead serious. You can go look this up. And there were two rumors. One was the album cover uh, that uh, the higher players had when this song was released was like a woman pouring honey on herself. Yeah. And the rumor was it was very, very hot honey that burned her. And as they tried to pull the honey off, it was like pulling off flesh. Oh my and goodness, she, Marty! Hold on. <laughs> and and she got so mad. That she said she was going to sue, so the producer in the studio stabbed her with a knife. Oh my goodness, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> so this got out on the radio, yeah, and people were like saying, "In this song, there's a woman that was murdered." And I remember being a little kid in school, hearing this and believing it. Now, yeah, there was a time before the internet. There was where you couldn't what? go. With, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where you couldn't go and Snopes anything. So I was trying to remember the story and actually went and looked it up today. It is still in Snopes today. No, it is false. That did not happen, obviously. Um, in fact, they asked 
one of the players, they said, why is that woman screaming in there? And they said, I don't know. They said we were doing some like other chants and stuff like that. And we just thought it sounded effective. <laughs> and they asked, well, what about when all these rumors came out? And he just shrugged his shoulders and said, hey, it sold records. Yeah, good publicity. Right. Good publicity. <laughs> so there you go. There's the story and the myth behind love roller coasters from the Ohio players. So, so Marty, if you and Tony are ever feeling like the show is just sort of waxing and waning a little bit, just have one of you guys scream or have Vanessa scream in the background at some point. And we'll start a rumor <laughs> yeah, we'll start somewhere. A rumor. <laughs> Who knows? We may end up on Snopes. I, I, listen, I heard a rumor. I heard, I heard a rumor that you and I are going to be at the Cool Mini or Not Expo. That is not a rumor. What? That is a fact. Oh, we got a fact. <laughs> You're right. We got a fact. We're going to be at the Cool Mini or Not Expo on oh dear, what's June, the dates? <laughs> June nineteenth, twentieth, and twenty first down in Atlanta, Georgia. Right. So if, if anyone's around and they want to want to come uh, check it out, it, it's the Cool Mini or Not Expo, but they have a library of games that go beyond just the Cool Mini or Not lines. So yeah, and that library was was actually pretty good last year. I, I think people were pretty focused on playing the Cool Mini or Not games. But I played some other stuff besides that. Uh, they'll certainly have uh, the Cool Me or Not games as well as some upcoming things that they'll uh, be sharing at the expo. I had a good time last year, and, and it's great to be invited back. Um, and, and we hung out there, and we're going get, to get to hang out there again, which I'm looking forward to, Marty. I think we're going to be bunking together. Maybe we'll have some bunking stories for this one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll be sleeping in a chair with a towel covering <laughs> yeah, me to help keep me right. warm. <laughs> oh, yeah, dear. so that, that's going to be a, a, a lot of fun. I'm going to... Um, I'm not sure. What are you going to be doing there? Are you going to be like uh, interviewing people, shooting videos or anything? This one, unlike Origins, will be more of a work trip. Uh, I'll I'll probably be shooting some more video and maybe doing some uh, uh, demos and things. Uh, I think there's going to be a panel that I'm going to be on. Um, You might be as well, Marty, actually. Uh, I'm on a panel having to do with podcasting. I don't know if it's the same one or not. Yeah, I think that's the same one. Uh, I I think I'll end up getting lumped into that, even though I don't technically podcast, but... Uh, I mean, hey, listen, I've been guest podcasting. I guess that kind of counts, right? That, that, that counts. That counts. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, we're doing that, and I think that's sometime on Saturday. Yeah, but mainly just just playing games and hanging out, and, and those gamings go all into the early hours of the morning as well. So, yeah, if you're in the area and you want to check it out, I hope come on by. I think you do have to pick up a ticket, though. So go to the website um, for the Cool Mini or Not Expo and, and pick up a ticket there and uh, come in and have some fun. I mean, it, this is a small... Small, uh, smaller gathering, or it was last year anyway. I suspect it will still be relatively small. So easy to get to talk to. Eric Lang will be there. You can go talk to him about his game designs, maybe get him to sign a cover of a box or something like that, or whatever you want. And uh, in fact, have you noticed the Kickstarter that's going on right now for Zombie Side Black Plague? I mean, do you, if all you got to do is like take a box and slap Zombie Side <laughs> on it, and it makes over a million dollars. I tell you, 1.5, I think we're getting close to anyway. And it does look like they've done some. Some interesting things with this one. I, I'm hoping to see uh, see it there, uh, some kind of prototype. Maybe maybe try it out and see, you know, just exactly what they've changed. I know they've added some additional bits and pieces too to spice it up, like a little dashboard for the individual players to manage all your cards and things, which looks nice. Right. So anyway, if you have any interest in that, like it seems like a lot of people do, you want to go check. Of course, again, it's going to be pricey. We're talking about cool mini or not with a lot of really awesome minis, but the minis do come at a price. They do. That's right. Can you share with us maybe some of the videos that you're working on and stuff you're getting ready to come out with? I know you teased earlier that you're going to be doing a, some playthroughs or some uh, videos for Ashes. That's right. That, that's the thing i got to focus on right now. So between uh, coming home from Origins and going to the Expo, I'm going to work on getting at least a, a quick overview video of Ashes out. And then I'll be scripting and working on the full instructional video as well to follow. Beyond that... 
<laughs> what's on my schedule beyond that? I'm kind of forgetting right now. I know Forbidden Stars is something that I'm, I'm going to be uh, looking at um, shooting an instructional video for as well. That one's going to be a bit of a, a beast. You better hurry up. That comes out next I, week, supposedly. I know. I, 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 there's no way I'll get those videos done before it releases. That game's just a little too big. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to read I'm the rule book. I'm afraid so. I'll play, play some of those other games you brought home from Origins first. Don't tell Fancy Flight I said that, but yeah. <laughs> just, just give me a little bit of time here, folks. Uh, but yeah, those, those are the main things I'm going to be working on. And of course, if people want to find me, they can find me over at, uh, at youtube.com slash watchitplayed, where we have all of our instructional videos. If you'd like to skip reading the rule book, you can watch the video instead. <laughs> yes, promoting illiteracy one video at a time, as Marty likes to say. I love that tagline. That is so awesome. <laughs> and, and you can find me uh, tweeting uh, on Twitter. And that's where you'll find me and Marty talking about our big team up against uh, Matt and Joel. Uh, in Nurishima Hex coming up at Gen Con as well. Uh, and you'll find me there at Watch It Blade. Thank you so much for coming on. It was a blast hanging out last week. It was a blast going over the memories again. And heck, in a couple of weeks, we're going to make some more memories. And then like, what, a, a six weeks after that or less, we're going to be doing it again. I know, man. We're just going to keep this party going. Marty, thanks so much for having me on again. It was it was a real treat to talk to you about Origins and, and sort of relive some of those memories. And, and I'm looking forward to creating some new ones in the coming weeks. That's right. And as always, everybody, remember... What what is it Tony says? Oh, just keep rolling dice. And taking those names? (laughs) See, I never started. He always does. (laughs) I was lost. (laughs) We miss you, Tony. We need you. Come back. (laughs) Thanks for listening to RDTN. Follow us on Twitter at Dyson Names. Visit our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roll Dice Take Names. Visit our BGG Guild. Like us on Facebook. Thanks, Vanessa, and thanks for everyone for joining us for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 69. I just forgot the name of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Bloopers. I am honored to have with me as my co-host... The person who brings rule life's... Oh, my gosh. Take two. (laughs) Rule life's...